Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So whether it's been in ministry or in life with family, I've known quite a few people over the years that were told by, by their doctors, you have six months to live, you have a year to live, you have 18 months to live. Uh, it's always, you know, difficult, sad, emotional, all kinds of things when we hear that kind of news. And what I've observed from people who, who are told that is that there is a focus. There's an intentionality in their daily living, in their daily walk that wasn't there before. They focus in, these are the people that are near me. These are the people that I care the most about. These are the people that I'm going to spend the limited time that I have left on this earth. I'm going to spend it with them. I'm going to be intentional in the way that I live because I know I've got six months, 12 months left to live. The interesting thing about God's word and about this passage is it's telling all of us that. It's telling all of us to love. Love today because the time is short. The time is limited. We all have this. We all have this. The Lord knows the day when we'll be born and the day when we'll perish from this earth. And we should be motivated by the limited time that we have left. None of us ever knows when the Lord will take us, none of us ever know when Jesus could return. So Paul, after this incredible letter to the church in Rome, as he's closing out these last couple of chapters, he's giving this wisdom, love. Love, because the time is short. Love with the time that you have. Love with the days that God has given you. Life is short, my friends. Life is short. I turned 42 yesterday. I know. Life is short. It's going by fast. And you guys, the, you guys who, are, who are wise, you, you share that with me. 
And I try to take that to heart, to not waste my life, to not waste a single day that God has given me, to make, to make our lives count. And how do we do that? How do we make our lives count? By living a life of love. Living a life of love. That's what God's word tells us this morning, that believers in Jesus have an urgent call to love. So let's, let's look at this. We're, we'll look at just those two sides. You know, love, what it means. What it means to be a loving person. What it means to, to love God and love others. And then this, almost the when question. When should we do that? How do we do that? Knowing that the time is short. That the days are evil, as we used to say. So what is our calling? Our calling is to love one another. Paul, just as a reminder, because it's been you know, three weeks now since we've been in Romans, Paul is talking about taxes. Remember that? He was talking about uh, paying your taxes, giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God's what is God. And then he continues this debt conversation, saying, you don't owe anything anybody. All you owe them is love. Let no debt remain outstanding except love. What do we owe the people around us? Agape love. Agape love. And because I, I think we need to we need to define what the Bible means when it says love. Love is a contested word in our world today. When people say love, they mean a lot of different things. There's even these expressions, you know, love is love is love is love is love. Well, what are we talking about? What are you referring to? The if uh, if you've been in our Sunday school class the last few months, you'll you'll uh, recognize this, but the, the Bible has four different words for love. The first is storge, and it means empathy. You know, when your heart goes out to someone, when you, when you feel compassion toward them, that's love. The second is philia, that's friendship, like the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Philia means friendship, friendship love. Third is eros, that's uh, you know, romantic love, like from the word erotic, you know, that's, that's married love, that's, that's romance. And then there's agape. Agape love is the unconditional love of Jesus. Agape is the self-giving love that's not concerned about my needs and what I want, what I desire, but it's concerned with love for other people. That's the word that Paul uses here, agape. What do we owe people? We owe them agape. Our world, our world is kind of obsessed with eros, with romantic love. You know, every pop song, every movie, you know, people leave their spouses because they're not in love anymore. But agape, agape is the opposite of that you know, that misunderstanding of love. Agape puts the needs of other people first. Agape is sacrificial. And agape actually leads to, it actually leads to fulfillment. It actually leads to peace. And agape passes the rocking chair test. Do you guys know the rocking chair test? When you're going to, imagine sitting at the end of your life, you know, 
sitting in a rocking chair by a fire, just looking back on the decisions that you made 20, 30, 50 years earlier. When you love, when you, when you stay in a difficult friendship or a difficult marriage, when you give grace upon grace upon grace to a family member that you can't seem to get along with, you're going to look back in your rocking chair at the end of your life and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the love that you gave me that I passed on. Paul says, pay your debt. Pay your debt of agape. How do we do that? Where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. It's not in our own strength. We don't have to conjure it up. We take one look at ourselves and ten looks at Jesus. Especially the Jesus that we learned about last week. (laughs) The Jesus that's there on Good Friday giving his life as a ransom for sinners like, like me and you. The Jesus that rises from the grave, that defeats sin and evil. The Jesus that even while he's hanging on the cross says, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We have been loved so much by Christ. And Paul here is saying, pass that along. Continue that. Pass it along to your neighbor. A few weeks ago, I put up on my bulletin board in my study, love the unlovable. I don't, I, I, I don't know why. I wasn't thinking of anyone in particular. But sometimes I have expectations for people and, and they let me down. And that doesn't mean that I stop loving them. (laughs) That means I continue to love them. That means I I continue to to give myself to them. You know, I and I put it on the bulletin board because I need that reminder every day. And who is, you know, why should we love the unlovable? Why should we love people that, that don't even think of us that often or don't seem that lovely to us? Because we are all unlovable from time to time. Even the best of us. We don't roll out of bed as this perfect, finished product that's absolutely 100% loving to everyone. And yet God doesn't change his mind about us. God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. And it shows, it reveals how much we understand the gospel. Our love toward the unlovable, our love toward our enemy, our love toward people who mischaracterize us or misunderstand us. It shows that we understand the gospel because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remember when we studied that in Romans 5. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we get to pass that along to others. In the Christian Reformed Church, uh, which many of us grew up in, you know, they would all remember that the Ten Commandments were read every Sunday morning as what we call the third use of the law, as this is how you live as God's forgiven, called people. And we don't do that every week anymore. We have a summary of the law 
because of passages like this. Jesus said, Jesus said it. Jesus said the summary of the law, not just the Ten Commandments, but 513 commands that they had come up with. They can all be summarized in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said it. Now Paul is saying it in Romans chapter 13. And he's in this section where he's sharing. He's sharing this practical wisdom. You know, love does no harm to a neighbor. Love is agape. Love is sacrificial love. When? When? When do we love? Well, we love today. We love today. We love now. Because the time is short. You know, understanding the times that we're living in. Martin Luther said that every Christian should live as if Jesus ascended to heaven yesterday and he's coming back tomorrow. That is the time that we're living in. You know, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Jesus said, I, I don't even know. The, the Son doesn't know. Only the Father knows. So it's useless to try to speculate. But he says, be ready. He takes great pains to say, be ready. You know, Mark chapter 13, he said, be on your guard. Do not let him find you sleeping. And Paul uses this metaphor again. Don't wake up. Wake up. Don't be sleepy. Don't live your life in a doze. Because Jesus is coming soon. We live in the age of the Holy Spirit. It's the final age. It was inaugurated when Jesus shared his spirit. The day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come. So don't sleepwalk through life. Don't live your life, you know, ambiguously. Don't live your life without intention. Love. Love. Love your neighbor. Love even your enemy. Because the days are evil. Life is short. Jesus is coming back. I read a wonderful book this week by Pastor Mark Sayers down in Australia. It's about the revitalization of the church. And he says, he says this, the enemy, the enemy, the evil one, Satan, the enemy is con content when Christians stay frozen in stagnation, will do everything he can not to wake the believers, lest they again realize their true purpose as carriers of the presence. Satan would love nothing more for a lot of sleepy Christians to sleepwalk their way through life, to not realize the gift that we've been given, the gift of salvation in Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift that we have become the temple, <laughs> that wherever we go, what did Kuiper say? Every square inch belongs to Jesus Christ. And we recognize that presence. We pray into that presence. We know that God is moving. Love God and love your neighbor today. <laughs> what's, what's better than that? There's no better way to spend your time.
And Paul says, he goes into specifics here about what that looks like. You know, do no harm to your neighbor. He says, the, the, the way that you've been living, living in the darkness, you can't live like that anymore. Why? Well, read the first 12 chapters of Romans. <laughs> Look at all that Christ has done. We're not living in the dark anymore. We're living in the light. The light of God's grace. The light of forgiveness. The light of what Jesus has done for us. So he says, no more carousing. No more drunkenness. You know, is that how you want to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> I mean, he'll forgive you. But it's better to be drunk in the spirit than drunk off wine, like Paul says. Put an end to the acts of darkness. Put an end to your sexual immorality, to your debauchery. The word used here in Greek is porneia. And of course, we think about pornography and the scourge of that. And yes, it is that. And if that's your struggle, there is hope. You can move from darkness to light. There's ministries, there's opportunities, there's people that will walk that journey with you. But that word doesn't just refer to pornography. It refers to sexual activity outside of marriage, outside of the covenant. One man and one woman joined together for life, that promise. That lifelong bond. The way that God instituted in the very beginning was that we would be emotionally and spiritually naked with someone after, you know, before we're physically naked. That we'll be committed to them in the bond of covenant, relationship with God. And so Paul warns us against that. And Paul warns us about dissension and against jealousy. You know, divisiveness, divisiveness that will kill a church. Divisiveness that will kill a culture from the inside out. He warns us about these things. He tells us to flee the flesh and live in the Holy Spirit. Paul closes out this section, you know, by, by he, he's closing the whole book by saying, remember, remember what Jesus has done for you. There's been some amazing things that Paul has written about. You know, Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The bad news that we're stuck, that we're lost without Jesus. But then Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And chapter 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's writing to Jews and to Gentiles, to everyone in the known world, when you trust in Jesus, you don't walk in shame. You walk in forgiveness and grace. You leave the darkness behind and you walk in his, in his love and in his strength. And the gospel shows us how to live that out. How to walk with him. How to love because the time is short. Amen. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word that is living and active, your word that's a double-edged sword. God, we pray that, that your word, that your word and your Holy Spirit would cut out anything of our life that isn't loving, that doesn't reveal our love for you and our neighbor. God, I pray that you would move in us to serve to love without expecting anything in return, to give of ourselves and to find the joy and the fulfillment and the gratitude that's there. Lord, guide us. Guide us to put you first, to put you at the center of our lives, to connect to the love that you have for us. Lord, remind us. Remind us when we get sleepy Remind us when we get forgetful. The great love that you showed us on the cross that compels us to love. We ask all this in the mighty name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.